0: Axis Mundi. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi faculty at the University of San Francisco, our show assistant partnership with the CAP Center, UCSB, and I'm here today with my co-host.
1: Dan Miller, associate professor of religion and social thought at Landmark College. Uh, It's nice to see you, Brad. You sound like you've got a little little more energy than you did last week when you were getting over your whatever non-COVID illness you had, and I'm sitting inside with snow outside, and I'm sure you're not, so uh, you're probably enjoying that better as well.
0: Well, yeah. And I have to say, it's good to see you, Dan, despite the raging jealousy I have in my heart right now for uh, you, because uh, we started two new series this week. One is, um, well, uh, actually, we yeah, we did. Sorry. I'm getting my I'm in my head here a little bit. We started two new series this week. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. One J6 uh, a year later, um, and I interviewed Sarah Posner, which is really good. Dan started his series on Wednesday, which is uh, You Don't Belong Here, Religion, Politics, and Identity. And Dan, when I listened to it, I was just reminded of the like beautiful, textured, soothing, booming radio voice that you have, you know, and I just, it made me think that there's probably a lot of money to be made out there for you, uh, just recording advertisements or reading, um, audible books. I don't know, but, um, it did make me very jealous. So I just, I'm going to confess that uh, publicly and just uh, put it out there. Okay.
1: I I will own that. In grad school, we used to play a game where we would ask, like, "What celebrity voice would you want to like read an academic paper of yours?" And uh, nobody ever said mine. Um, so, like, if my celebrity status can build enough, then maybe, maybe that'll that'll be it. Instead of like imagining yeah. James Earl Jones reading like a paper or no, Samuel L. I mean, Jackson, people will well, clearly be like, like "It just has to go be Dan to Moore. the he academic conference." Okay, like, hey,
0: you're nervous. You know, it's hard for you to speak loudly. Look, just fifty bucks, and I'm I'm your guy. All right. Uh, Dan, it's the day after January 6th, one year later. It's January 7th, 2022. And uh, we're going to talk about something we've been talking about, but uh, actually haven't talked about in a, in a couple of weeks. And that is obviously January 6th. And we're going to take three approaches. We want to talk about what happened on that day. We want to talk about what's happened since then. And I think we want to finish by talking about what happened yesterday, the anniversary, a lot of speeches, a lot of reflections, a lot of comments, a lot of whatevers. So Let's start with that day, and I'll be honest. Yesterday felt, Dan. You ever you ever feel like, um, like when you go to uh, an amusement park? Like I grew up ten minutes from Disneyland, right? And so you go to Disneyland, and you're so excited as a kid, and uh, now as an adult, when you go there, you know you're 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 kind of have different eyes, and you realize that the thing that you do once a year, going to Disneyland, or once every five years. Some people who work there do it every day. They're like just shoving out the popcorn or taking tickets every day. So the special day for you, the day that is just this like big moment, is something that is like mundane for everyone else. I feel like that's us. We have talked about January sixth so much <laughs> that yesterday when some of the NPR stuff was on and and CNN, I was like, you know, y'all, we've been talking about this. We've been we've been over it and we've been on it um, to the point where I think. Uh, you know, some folks were like, do you guys ever talk about anything else? So I don't want to go over the basics of January 6th. I don't want to retrace every moment. I don't want to go over stuff we've talked about for the last 12 months. I really don't. What I do want to do is kind of zoom in and say, as we think about that day from a religious studies perspective, scholars of religion, what are things that might stick out for us in terms of just the, the, uh, symbols, the messages, the, uh, Ideas, the garb, whatever. And luckily for us, and I posted this uh, various places, and I know some of you've seen it. There's a, an amazing new exhibit out, uh, it, a partnership between the Smithsonian and the University of Alabama uh, Religious Studies Department. And uh, it's called Uncivil Religion. And there's just great articles there by people who we've had on the show Leslie Doro Smith, and Kristen Dumay, and Phil Gorski, and, uh, and a bunch of others. And uh, they really do a great job zooming in, as I'm saying, on some of these objects, some of these flags, symbols, uh, figures, people. So, Dan, let me just start by asking you, you know, as we think about that day, something we've talked about already for hours and hours and hours, what's something that, that sort of just catches your, your, your eye and, and is, is worth remarking on uh, in the wake of just the one-year anniversary?
1: I think one of the things that catches my eye, and this is something that that I think, you know, we're gonna be talking about, we've been talking about, is the way that uh like like equal parts of of people still not seeing the religious dimension to it, right? The Christian nationalist dimension, at the same time, and it's gonna sound like completely contradictory, that we hear more and more about that. So there is this growing awareness, right? And and things like the uncivil religion contributors or people who would see this but you're starting to you know see small bits of it in you know the so-called mainstream media whatever this awareness that there was in their view sort of a Christian dimension to this but it's still that gap to me that screaming gap between people uh like like the the, all the people you mentioned who contributed to the uncivil religion I'm going to be talking about one of Kristen's pieces uh, a little bit later but the stuff you and I have been talking about anybody uh who sort of studies Christian nationalism who sees this and it's like everywhere. It's on the surface. It's evident. It's blatant. And a lot of people are still missing it or don't see it. And it it kind of, it's significant to me because it takes me back to part of why I think you and I started this podcast was having come out of that world. There are these things that you just immediately look at and you can read the code, right? You're like, oh, that's, that's Christian nationalism, right? But forgetting that not everybody knows that code or not everybody feels it on that kind of visceral level and so uh that that's something that still stood out to me as is, is we hear more about that in a lot of mainstream analyses but it's still very much kind of below the surface and i think that that people need to see more and more how significant that is and and what a what a significant role that is even a year later because i think that's that's the connecting thread between everything from voter rights. To gerrymandering, to opposition to critical race theory in schools, to January sixth is this this continuous threat of Christian nationalism, and I think I think until we all can see that, we're not going to fully appreciate what January sixth was or its relation to all of these other things.
0: One of the articles that's in the uncivil religion uh, collection is about uh, Braveheart masculinity, and it's it's by Kristen Dumay. Many of you be familiar with Kristen. We we just aired our one of our first interviews with Kristen. Uh, um uh, a couple of weeks ago uh many of you will have read Jesus and John Wayne but uh Dan I'm wondering how that strikes you what is the connection between Christian nationalism and that brave heart masculinity that uh was very much on display at the Capitol you know like there there's some great material on people who are like why don't you go up the steps and they're like choosing to climb up the the um you know, the the mezzanine, right? And hanging off a, a two-story thing. And it's like, why are you doing that? And it's like, you don't storm the Capitol by going up the steps. And it's like, okay, this is so performative, but it's also such a like masculine showmanship, brave heart thing. Like I can't, I can't tell people I stormed the Capitol just by walking up steps. I have to like scale the building because that's what a real man would do. I mean, do you see connections there? Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more,